1: And the collection is free of sulfates, parabens, dyes, and mineral oil. So experience something new and discover what's good with the Pantene Nutrient Blends Collection. Dear Young Rocker is more than just
0: a podcast about music. It's a memoir of how it feels to survive high school when you don't fit in and the freeing feeling of picking up a guitar for the first time. It's also advice for anyone who is or was young and has ever felt weird or alone. Dear Young Rocker is written and narrated by me, Chelsea Erson, executive produced by Jake Brennan, and comes to you from Double Elvis Productions. Listen to Dear Young Rocker on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Hey, this is Annie. And this is Samantha. And welcome to Stuff Mom Never Told, your production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works. Today, listeners, we're tackling a big topic. Um, Huge. Huge. Um, Sexuality. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, there is a lot to say here, and we're probably going to expound on some of it in future episodes. Yep. Um, But first, we wanted to start with a kind of primer
0: on uh, sex versus gender versus sexuality. And let's go ahead and say there are some risque topics, not necessarily too graphic, but just in case you don't want any of the youths uh-huh. to hear this from us necessarily before you vet it, yeah. and I mean you, the listener, you may want to take a pause, Yes, come back to it, and then if you feel it's appropriate, go for it. Just Good to note. put that warning out. Good note, Samantha. All right, so I, I imagine
1: most people are familiar with this, but we thought since we're going to be using a lot of these terms, we'll we'll just go ahead and say what they are. So sex is also called physical or biological sex, and this is based on physical characteristics, hormones, and genes. And we know that this can be more complicated than a lot of people believe, not as clear-cut as a lot of people like to make it, perhaps. Um, There's male, female, and intersex, and intersex is when physical characteristics typical of both sexes are present. Then there's gender, which is the societal performance around biological sex, being masculine or being feminine. Some identify as both. Some identify as neither. Some identify as the opposite of their biological sex. Correct. And this brings us to sexuality.
0: Sexuality.
1: Yes. (laughs) Sexuality (laughs) refers to the people you are physically or romantically attracted to. And yes, this is... Uh, can also be more complicated than a lot of people like to think.
0: Right. Is, or and, that we for a long time have thought that right? It and And as we are more and more open about it, the labels or the titles are slowly either becoming more broad mm-hmm. or disappearing altogether. Yes. Absolutely. And sexuality is complex and
1: deeply personal. It also is frequently more fluid than we have thought of it in the past. Right. Um, and it can be confusing. Right. I, can, I can raise my hand to that one. It's all about how you choose to identify. Not that sexual orientation is the choice, but the label that you choose, that is your choice.
0: And you don't even have to label it.
1: Nope, you don't. Also, when I was typing in sexuality, the old Google, one of the top results, came up uh, 17 types of sexuality. So lot of
0: options out there. Right. I mean, and we were talking about the polyamory, poly Mm -hmm. world, and it's wide arrays as well of different titles. As you said earlier, it's very personal. Exactly. So you don't owe anyone an explanation in the story. Yes. Yes. Um, So some popular
1: ways people have chosen to identify, there's straight, gay, lesbian, bi, pan or pansexual, poly, asexual or ace, fluid, queer, there are a lot of labels out there. Um, And then there are a lot of folks skewing labels entirely. (laughs) And
0: And you know what? Some of that has to do with education and understanding. Um, Specifically in my job field, we actually had to have training statewide Mm -hmm. um, to talk about these labels and the misdirection and or misunderstanding of what it can be, what it can look like, and how it should be acknowledged. So it's, it's a big thing it has been to the point that people are starting to actually learn about it and educate themselves or at least educate their staff as we are going along with this time frame. Of course, attitudes are slightly turning again, Mm -hmm. unfortunately, but it is still good to know that there are those out there that do understand that this needs to be talked about and this needs to be something that people are educated about.
1: Yes, absolutely, because I think if you don't, ever see yourself represented in media or just in in general in our real world. Right. Um, you might not know, like for me I think for a long time I was trying to fit into a certain thing because I didn't really know Right. there were other things, other ways mm-hmm. that I might identify. And getting this education around it, it's like oh, yeah. I see, yeah. I see. And it is a spectrum. I know that term is kind of like trendy, but
0: It is. It's trendy because it's more relatable and and is actually more accurate. Yes. That's why it's trendy.
1: Absolutely. (laughs) It's trendy because it's true. (laughs) And a note about queer, because a few of you have written in and asked about it. Queer can be used to mean any non-hetero orientation and or if none of the labels, the other labels, quite encapsulate your experience. And a note about asexuality. As I've said, I'm still figuring this whole thing out, but I very rarely, almost never, feel sexual attraction. And there are a couple of types of asexuality, and we're actually bringing someone in to speak specifically about this in the future, so look forward to that. But... um, Just a kind of brief explanation, there's gray asexuality, which describes someone who might feel sexual attraction only after an intense emotional bond with someone. I think this is where I am, or maybe sort of a mixture of both. And some asexuals never experience sexual attraction. There's a variety of experiences. And, you know,
0: um, it could be said that that could be true for anybody's sexuality, anybody who has a label or feels attraction. A lot of people cannot feel sexually attracted. Unless there's an emotional bond, mm-hmm. like I said, I've had a guy friend who was this uh, very similar to this. He's like, I don't want anything to do with it unless I really care and love them. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if he would call himself asexual. Mm-hmm. Um, he's married and happily living his life. Um, but yeah, I think that's not so abnormal to be said for in, in relationships in general, right?
1: There's another subset called auto which is when there's a disconnect between the person and the object of sexual desire. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember personally when all my friends started feeling sexual attraction, and I did it, and I was just, like, faking it <laughs> and laughing along with them and be like, oh, yeah, it's so hot. Um, and I felt so out of place. But I thought, surely, right. one day a switch will flip, and I'll feel it, and I'll fit right. in, and it just kind of never really happened. That's okay, too. It is. Also, Todd on BoJack Horseman is probably one of the first times I've ever seen an asexual character in media that I've consumed. Something else that comes into play are things like biromantic, just romantic interest in both sexes, and aromantic experiencing sexual attraction but not romantic attraction. And sexuality also encompasses sexual attitudes, values, and fantasies. Mm -hmm. From the World Health Organization, quote, A central aspect of being human throughout life encompasses sex, gender identities, and roles, sexual orientation, eroticism, pleasure, intimacy, and reproduction. Sexuality is experienced and expressed in thoughts, fantasies, desires, beliefs, attitudes, values, behaviors, practices, roles, and relationships. While sexuality can include all of these dimensions, not all of them are always experienced or expressed. Sexuality is influenced by the interaction of biological, physiological, social, economic, political, cultural, legal, historical, religious, and spiritual factors. So, a lot.
0: There you go. Yeah. There's a lot of things that attribute to your sexuality. There are. Um, And as we discussed before, The whole concept of sexuality has become more fluid, which also can be a part of the similarities of the label of bisexuality and pansexuality. And by definition, bisexuality is referenced with the idea of only two genders, as where pansexuality is more inclusive and recognizes sexuality as more than just two, but includes trans, non-binary, and genderqueer. And I thought it was really important that we kind of break these down a little further because even for me... um, Learning about these different types of labels and understanding what this is kind of opens your eyes to, oh, these are the possibilities and or this makes sense in the idea of the fluidity of sexuality and just understanding ourselves as women and the desires that we want in general. And I also wanted to break down the poly relationships um, as it specifies with possible gender labels for one man and uh, more than one woman is polygyny, and for one woman and more than one man is polyandry. And obviously, th- this is a very gender-normative specific title, but if you want to kind of look in- within that, there's also the stereotype of the idea of unicorn hunting, which is in the poly community finding the bisexual woman— a.k.a. the jewel. Mm-hmm. And according to one article, this is usually something that can cause more hiccups in a, a relationship than anything and often not successful in the long run. And again, it's kind of more of a cliche than anything else in the community. And with that, there's even even bigger breakdown of titles within the relationships, including ethical non-monogamy, which is the overarching term that includes poly, swinging, and the such. And then uh, other titles like hierarchical, non-hierarchical, triad, quad, and fluid, and and I'll just put that in there. When breaking it down even deeper, um, you can know that these types of relationships is very loyal-based and open because of the level of trust involved and openness and communication, which I did find fascinating when you start like reading into different people's relationships, different people's actual experiences. It shows this whole need and whole necessity of communicating with each other. And it's kind of understandable why this could be a, a beautiful thing. And it, and. And can actually work because they have to communicate, which right. is oftentimes what breaks down a relationship in general. Mm-hmm. And it's not as... So the show Big Love, which kind of has this stereotypical Mormon idea of polygamy and kind of has this whole hierarchical type of relationship within it. And it, it is more of an entertainment idea. <laughs> and when you look at... Based off of that and based on reality, what people talk about, how they talk about how this works, it is this understanding of meeting each other's needs as necessary. And it's, it's a beautiful concept.
1: I know a lot of listeners have written in and they're in polyamorous relationships. So that is something... Uh, we definitely should return to you and talk about more. Right, and also Bridget and I did an episode forever ago. Well, it seems like forever ago. Time has no meaning to me anymore. Um, <laughs> about pansexuality mm-hmm. versus bisexuality and how it was just kind of a, the terms changing. But again, it, it has to do with like what you what makes sense to you and right. how you feel.
0: And again, just kind of opening up and realizing these, they are, there are these types of relationships that are bigger than just a small label. Yeah, absolutely. We have some more to talk about with you listeners, but first we have a quick
1: break for a word from our sponsor.
0: Okay.
1: So you'll want to enjoy your Good Girls experience in a spoiler-free
0: zone. The all-new, all-hilarious season of Good Girls, Sundays on NBC and stream anytime.
1: And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. If we think about the popular view on women and sexuality, I would argue that it's been painted in more complicated, shall we say, terms as compared to men's. Right. Um, women are mysterious. Their desires are mysterious. And their desires are different from men's. Men are from Mars. Women are from Venus, as it were. But recent studies are showing more and more that
0: this is not necessarily the case. Right. Uh, and still, many people still believe this, though. Yeah, oh, for sure. Um, the new sex strike that we were recently talking about has brought out a lot of men who are burning themselves by pretty much stating women don't enjoy sex like men and don't need it as much as men, aka they can't pleasure women and never (laughs) experienced pleasuring a woman, apparently. Samantha I'm just gonna I'm just gonna say that because obviously if you feel that strongly that women cannot be pleasured and you know this, Uh, says the man, you're doing something wrong. Just want to tell you that. Just want to tell you that. I'm sorry. (laughs) <laughs> Again, I'm very open about the fact that I do very much enjoy sex, and mm-hmm. I do very much. Um, I need to be laid on sometimes, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, for me, if it's not enjoyable, I'm not gonna do it. Right in the story,
1: we're giving each other. A yeah, very, we're like, very. In- I really wish we had a cam-
0: camera right now about how fierce we are looking at each other, Like, uh huh. <laughs> yeah, girl, say it.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> for a long time. Science has seemingly supported this popular opinion that women's sexuality and sexual desire is more complicated than men's. And I'm sure some of you saw these popular science headlines like, men think about sex more frequently than women, they masturbate more than women, etc. A lot of these studies were flawed, and they (laughs) lacked women involved in the research— both on the scientist side and on the subject side. According to a professor of psychology, Sari van Anders, quote, in almost all areas of research, men are understood to be humans and women are understood as gender or a special case. Things can seem complicated when they differ from a standard. In other words, men are the human body standard and women are deviation from the human body standard. Right.
0: And again, I think this is another tale of how men... And I don't mean all men. Are you doing hashtag not all men? uh, I'm just saying I've been with those who understand the female body a little better than others Mm -hmm. and have recognized whether it's from actually paying attention to anatomy or actually researching or whatever what women do enjoy and don't enjoy or rather are communicating with women to find out what they do or don't or those who identify as female what they enjoy because even though... Yes, we are different. Each woman in ourselves have different appreciations and different likes. That's true. So obviously, you're gonna have to plan out exactly what is there and what isn't there, what's comfortable and what's not comfortable. End of story. Done. Yeah. Again, <laughs> communication
1: all the time. Um, History wise, researching women's sexuality was seen as taboo and or not worth the time or money. So women were excluded from a lot of studies on the subject. Alfred Kinsey's 1953 book, Sexual Behavior in the Human Female, which included accounts from 6,000 women, was so scandalous, Congress investigated into where Kinsey got his money. Can't be spending money on women. Come on. No. When Van Anders was a student, um, and she's the one I quoted earlier, she noticed that all the anatomical diagrams of nerves were of men, which are generally the same, but not when it comes to sexual organs. When she asked her professor about it, he kind of shrugged like, Who cares? Eh. We care. Research into female sexuality really didn't start happening until the 1990s and 2000s. Wow. A 2011 report on a study conducted to a sensory map of women was the first of its kind, meaning we had no idea if genital stimulation for women lit up the same parts of the brain as it did for men. Turns out they do it do correlate to men's surprise but it also showed that there are some differences a 2014 study found that sexual desire is actually complicated for everybody again surprise right and men and women experience it in pretty much the same way it also found that contrary to popular belief sexual desire does not typically express itself in spontaneous in a spontaneous animalistic kind of way meaning yet yeah, that yes men desire emotional connection a lot of the times too mm-hmm. right Um, Other studies on both heterosexual and homosexual people found that when shown sexually explicit videos of their preference, they experienced desire in similar ways. And another recent survey of 4,000 Americans found that men and women fantasized similarly and reported similar reasons for wanting sex. Pleasure, mostly. (laughs) Right. Studies into testosterone have shown that its impact on sex drive is not as clear-cut as we previously thought, nor is the spike of desire attached to ovulation. Men can experience spikes and falls, too, depending on a variety of factors.
0: Right, and and all of this kind of made me delve into women in porn, uh, because I think that's a fascinating subject in, in itself, and I know people are talking about it a little more. Couples have talked about it a little more as part of their activity. Um, but according to an article I read, it said Pornhub reported 156 million people viewed the site in, I think, early 2018, so last year. And a quarter of those people were, were identified as women. So what, I think you and I were counting out numbers, at least 38 million women to look at the site and according to an article from the Daily Dot uh, they talk about the fact that one in three of the viewers of porn are actually women Uh, which I really was like oh yeah that that makes sense and they also talk about the fact that women enjoy viewing just as much as men Um, they enjoy watching women on women they like the plots they um enjoy watching it by themselves. Plots. Did yeah. you say plots? <laughs> yes. So when they have like the milkman coming to deliver, sure. you know, whatever, and or, you know, all those different fantasy ideas. <laughs> they want the plot.
1: They want the plot of the milkman
0: coming to deliver. Yeah. They want to know why did the milkman come through? <laughs> oh, see, and also that why I does the milkman interested in. Um but it did also talk about the fact that the women spend a longer time watching porn than men. I think it was like a minute less, spend, a yeah, minute less? a minute less than women, which I found fascinating. But they did talk about the fact that maybe it takes a little while longer for women to be stimulated, sure, or they actually are enjoying the plot, as we just said. <laughs> uh, so therefore, <laughs> they watch for a little longer. But I, I thought that was something to be said um, when we talk about the porn things, and then we do have to talk about back and forth about the misogynistic ideas within porn as well, and and what is healthy and what is unhealthy. It's such a fine line. Right. But I think this also just opens up again about the fact that women do have vast fantasies as well as men, as well as uh, desires that are different from your everyday, I need to make babies. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Which I would say is the same. I know you and I are talking about um, sex toys later on. Mm-hmm. Obviously, there's female sex toys out there because we do enjoy pleasure. End of story. And it should be noticed. It should be um, regarded as something that is normal. Mm-hmm. And just to have a conversation. How to pleasure yourself because of all things, you're going to want to know that. We all need to know that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, I feel like every episode is
1: homework for future episodes, which it really is. I like. Um, no, no shortage of topics to, to tackle, but um, we have a little bit more to talk about. But first, we have one more quick break for word from our sponsor.
0: Okay, so a recent study found that a great hair day makes you happier and more confident. But that same study also revealed that 95% of women don't feel great about their hair.
1: A lot of women have written in about the question of um, feminist porn and can porn be feminist? And there are certain initiatives and certain um, people working in the field to make feminist porn. so would love to, to talk about that and the future. Um, also, before we close out here, marking up the waters of this whole thing is uh, gender norms. Um, men tend to overreport sexual desire because they're expected. And women tend to underreport because they're right too.
0: because w- women are still taught to be ashamed of their mm-hmm. sexuality, still, yeah. um, and therefore, who's gonna admit if you're based on a shame factor?
1: Yeah, exactly. So, um, a lot more research needs to be done, um, having these open conversations, but um, I think there's much more vast. There's vaster experiences out there than we previously have right. recognized, um, and I'm glad that we're being more right. open
0: about it. And and, and just so uh, you guys, the audience, understand, know that we are going to be talking about swinging and open relationships a little more um, in depth later on. I think for Annie and I, both of us are not necessarily in those types of relationships or in relationships at all. So therefore, we don't have as much to say other than researching what it looks like and how it can be and understanding these t- types of uh, relationships. And I think it's also good to know, obviously, we've condensed this down yes. vastly. <laughs> yes. And what we're opening up to is understanding sexuality and pleasure in women and and, it, and whether how it affects us every day. As, as we're talking at this time, once again, about... Women's bodies, reproduction, um, women's rights, it has to be kind of like the basis of you've got to understand women and who they are and what they enjoy and what they don't enjoy and what the purpose of sex and what the purpose of everything else. and I'm, I'm periods and, and all of those other things and pregnancies or not wanting preg- being pregnant, I think is important to understand women as humans, or those who identify as female as human. Yeah. And understanding that not only are we trying to understand ourselves and yeah. fight for the, the common desires to have, whatever, relationships, non-relationships, sex life, whatever that looks like, that it is a part of the things that we're trying to talk about when it comes to our bodies, it comes to our rights, and it comes to our desires and wants. And that's yeah. kind of like, oh, how do we even begin this conversation? <laughs> Well, here. Here. Um, yeah, women,
1: people who identify as female, we are uh, not a deviant from the norm. We are just people who are being a little too honest, maybe. Or just yeah, honest. Just honest. Just honest. That's us. Um, but we would love to hear from
0: listeners your thoughts on um, sexuality. Right. We also want to hear if we've made a mistake in some of the research. We want to know all the facts. We want to know your experiences as well, if it does contradict some of the things we've said or some yeah. of the things that we found, because I think that's the absolutely something that's important for us to learn with you. Right. Always growing and learning together. Yes.
1: And you can email us at our new email address, stuff at iheartmedia.com. The old email will still work. Do not panic.
0: Do not panic.
1: Yes. And you can find us on social media. You can find us on Twitter at Mom Stuff Podcast and on Instagram at Stuff Mom Never Told You. Thanks, as always, to our super producer, Andrew Howard. Andrew. And thanks to you for listening. Stuff Mom Never Told You is a production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.